Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Should we talk about how Noah keeps going and doing other people's podcasts all the time? We want. So, so, argue about how cool I am. <laughs> so Scott leaves. Years later, starts his own podcast, and Noah's just like, yeah, sure, I'll come to your podcast all the goddamn time. Sounds like Brian might be jealous that he's not getting the call. Uh, I've already gotten the call. It's going to happen soon. I was going to say, it's pretty much just because me and Scott talk all the time, because we like the same type of garbagey movies. I don't support you two talking. I don't see how any good can come from that. <laughs> yeah, so by the time this episode goes up, Noah went and did a Toxic Avenger episode over on Scott's show. You can at least pick, like, good movies. Well, he was... He, you know what the funny thing is? He picked that. I think that was me. Apparently, Scott's never seen any of the trauma stuff. Hmm. He's lucky. Well, Toxic Avenger is not bad. You can that one's okay. Well, I was getting ready to say there's a there's a tear. Those early ones, I argue, are all pretty great. It's as they kind of drug on into the '90s and stuff. They kind of they became self-aware in a bad way. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say they're all good, but... <laughs> Much better than what they would become. Yes. Until they, like, they leaned too heavily into the trauma being trauma. Well, it went from, so, like, you know, they cranked out, like, Toxic Avenger was good, Class of Newcomb High was good, uh, I, per- I think Killer Condom's pretty good, Monster in My Closet's pretty good. See, I haven't actually seen most of those. Yeah, it's that. It's that first little bit. That first little bit they did real good. Well, Killer Con- Killer Condoms and Acquisition, isn't it? I can't. I can't remember a bunch of their things ended up being kind of. I think it's French. So unless Lloyd Kaufman made a purposely French movie, I don't. I don't see why he wouldn't. I don't, I don't see any reason to assume that he wouldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, he he did all try to make that were completely filmed in Japanese to uh, Asian culture. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Hmm. 
somebody like hitting something? Noah's. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Can you guys still hear me all right? Yeah. I think something's wrong with my wire to my microphone. Because every time I barely touch it, it switches to the other. Mm. Should probably buy a new wire. Good times. Yeah. You still down with the COVID, Doug? No, I'm all right. My kid had it for a bit, though. That kind of sucked. I told you. Should have shipped that kid off. Well, he tested positive, but he had no symptoms. So we're like, okay, well, that's fine then. No big deal. But then all of a sudden it hit. Poor little guy. Calling uh, whatever the Canadian version of DCFS is. I don't know what DCFS is, so I can't comment on that. It's the Department of Child Services. So they, they come, and if you're doing a bad job, they take your kids away from you. Is that, and you feel that they'll take every child that catches the sickness that the parent has? Yeah. yeah. Hmm take your kid and they put him into a foster system which is worse than what he just came out of and they create uh, horrible monsters that way it's great that's fun uh, speaking of horrible monsters should we talk about this week's movies nice well done well done just trying to think of how to Guess I could have used the kid argument. For yeah, could have worked. Everyone in. But I guess there's a kid in both of them. Yeah. Yeah, we'll stick with the horrible monsters. You don't want to redo it? Yeah. We've gone too far. <laughs> I mean, really, we went too far when we started discussing whether we'd gone far enough or not, but whatever. Uh, Doug, do you want to tell us about Kronos? Kronos? Um... Mexican movie directed by Guillermo del Toro. The uh, this old guy that runs an antique shop finds a little thingy-mabobber inside one of his statues, and it sort of bites him. And it's basically turning him into a vampire. They don't say that, but that's what's happening. Uh, meanwhile, there's a different old guy who's sick and dying, but his nephew is Ron Perlman, so he sends Ron Perlman out to like basically look for this thing because he knows that it could say air quotes save him by converting him into a vampire so we basically get the uh, Ron Perlman kills the first old guy but he's not really dead so we do get to watch him kind of get um, prepared for cremation but he escapes with his mouth sewn shut and everything before he's cremated gets speed up by Ron Perlman again eventually goes back to the other guy and is like, what the fuck? How do I like die? Because this is stupid. Being a vampire is not fun. And uh, the other guy tries to stab him, but because of bad luck, there's like a little girl there that saves him. <laughs> so eventually, he uh, crushes the thingy majiggy so that he'll now hopefully be able to die because the little thingy majiggy isn't there to save him anymore. Is that right? 
yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they ever use the term thingy-majiggy in it. Um, it's supposed to look like one of those ancient Egyptian things that I cannot remember the name of right now, but they were in the mummy. Scarab. That's right. That's the term I'm looking for. <laughs> it looks like a scarab and it has some sort of an insect thing inside it. It's presumably an actual scarab. That like is what kind of little grub thing. Yeah. And that thing is what's like really biting you and turning you into a vampire when you hold on to this thing. Someone flipping a zippo around. What the fuck is going on with the show? A zippo. Are you making that up? Because I don't know that anyone has a zippo. I don't know. It's here. Yeah. Like, sounds like someone like twisting something or flipping something or something. Uh, we'll say it's Noah's fault. Yeah, no, that sounds good. right. I agree with that. He touched his wire again. I'm purposefully staying away from the wire. <laughs> uh, so we kind of spoiled it last week, but Doug, you're a big fan of this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I like it. I'm not as big a fan of this one as I am of the next one, but I definitely, I mean, pretty much anything del Toro. He just has a way of taking relatively simple storylines and making them fun to watch with visuals and atmosphere. And he, this is no exception. Um, I I like the way this film walks the line between horror, but yet it's still kind of lighthearted. I enjoyed even just some of the musical choices are just like, it's almost comedy music playing over horror scenes, which I enjoy. I like when the guy starts to fall apart because he's (laughs) turning into a vampire and he doesn't understand that's fun I like everything Ron Perlman's in so yeah I'd say I'm a fan of this movie I hadn't seen it in a long time and I just rewatched it like recently like obviously for the show and I'm just like yeah like I still just like it it just it holds up really well the visuals held up surprisingly well watching it on a 4k TV this time it's the first time I've watched it since having you know a good TV to watch it on and it's uh looks great fun to watch lots of blood and violence yeah yeah i actually watched it i watched it on 4k uh off of dvd because i have the criterion one yeah and uh yeah i still thought it looked really good main character looks suspiciously like geppetto from pinocchio that's on purpose. Could be. We should watch the new Del Toro Pinocchio and see if they look the same. Well, more on that later. Spoiler alert for the uh, discussions after the show. <laughs> um. Uh, even though this is Del Toro's first like feature film, like you could see a lot of his style in this movie. Um, yeah look of sort of everything special effects in the movie all the intricate like showing how this itty bitty like scarab thing you'd see inside of it and see all the gears move and everything and it makes them seem like huge and thunderous stuff i thought all that stuff was really cool 
it's really it's really cool and it's shockingly well done considering this is like i think it's 1996 and it's like 93 and it's a two million dollar budget so the technology you could access in the 90s on two million dollars is not great and we've seen lots of other movies from that time frame that don't hold up because they try to do too much and del toro through whatever magic he knows how to do created these visuals that hold up really well and you you don't even have to kind of like run it through that filter of oh it's older so the cgi is not going to look good or whatever it's all it all holds up which is surprising what do you think of this movie, Noah? It's a good movie. It's one of those. Thank here's you. the problem. It's one of those ones. It's so well made. I don't. I just don't have a lot to say about it. It's just. It's yeah. just a solid movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to argue. Even if Del Toro doesn't like knock it out of the park, still like yeah, but still really well made. I think well, Ron, and I, Ron I definitely Coleman think is like the fucking show stealer. And Guillermo yeah. del Toro was really, really fucking smart with the idea of one of the main characters is the granddaughter, and he just gives her no fucking spoken lines. Yep. Because child actors are. Terrible. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Like <laughs> the. Uh... Not, not having her basically say nothing and letting Ron Perlman do a lot of the talking. I like that Ron Perlman's character speaks English and everybody else is speaking Spanish. I like I liked that. Um, I almost said Mexican, by the way, but I cut myself off. Stug. <laughs> Canadians are supposed to be nice. Well, I am nice. That's why I cut myself off. But yeah, I I liked the um, I liked that they let the actors act in their normal languages i feel like it really improves the performances and it adds something neat to the film that gives it sort of an exotic feel that it's not all in one language um and yeah like ron perlman is great in the movie like the the whole his whole character of like he's basically taking abuse from his like uncle or whatever it is um, on a daily basis with the whole idea being like, well, eventually when that uncle dies, I get a huge inheritance. So I'll just have to put up with it and do his stupid, like running around for him and stuff, <laughs> help him chase his scarabs all over the world in order that one day when he dies, I'll get to inherit all his money. There's just something about the way he portrays that, that I really like. He's just so put upon throughout the whole movie. And every time his uncle asks him to do anything, he's like, God damn it. Another thing. <laughs> Yeah, his performance is great. And then, of course, like when he wants to be the tough guy that's like going to beat the other guy up, he's still Ron Perlman, so he can just switch that on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Let's face it. I've heard he's actually very short, but he still is not somebody I would want to mess with. He's scary looking, man. Like, he just is. (laughs) So... What do you do? Is that right? Is he short? Yeah. Because he always seems like he's taller than everyone else. I know, right? Why is that? I think it's just because he's he's um, like broad, and I think he comes across as big. And then if they're not actually 
trying to put them, uh, not not trying to show them as short. They can easily make them look however they want. This says he's six foot. Oh, somebody, yeah, somebody, I'm, I'm, so, somebody told me when they met him once that he was really short. So they're lying. Was the person was the person you met like six four? No. Oh. I mean, six feet isn't huge. Well, to height well that's what I was going to say. I would, I would have assumed he was like six three. Yeah, I, th- I think six feet is still shorter than he comes across. Like he plays himself as bigger, and I think it's just because he's a scary-looking guy with big muscles and broad shoulders and stuff. Yeah, for some reason I was thinking like five eight, five seven, somewhere in there. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Tom Cruise. People get those two yeah, confused. I was gonna say time. he's not Tom Cruise short, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. Do you have any favorite scenes, Doug? I I mean, I really enjoy when the old guy wakes up in the. Uh, mortuary or wherever he is and he's like they're about to cremate his body and he sneaks out of the casket and he's like trying to figure out what's going on and then he steps on a piece of glass and he like pulls it out of his foot looks at it for a minute and then cuts the the sewing out of his mouth so that he can open his mouth again yeah. i don't know there's something about the way he does that that's really funny and i enjoy it it's weird because it's a horror movie but my favorite parts of it are kind of the funny parts I'm a little terrified of uh, uh, Mortician Wolverine. Who's... <laughs> <I know. sighs> that guy enjoys being around the dead bodies a little too much. Yeah. So much so he doesn't actually check anything. He's like, yeah, I'll just shut this lid. I won't look inside. Just throw that right in on the fire. He is, he is an amazing line when Ron Perlman shows up. Look to, I mean, they're like, "Oh, this guy wants to see the body one more time," but he's already put the box into the the crematorium thing. And he goes, "Sure, you want to see it uh, medium or well done?" <laughs> like, it's you've just been told this is a friend of the deceased who wants to see the body one more time, and that's your response. <laughs> what about the scene where he's doing the? Uh, He's putting the makeup on the body and shit, and then they tell him he's gonna they're gonna cremate the body, and he gets all frustrated. He's like, "You have no respect for me as an artist." <laughs> <laughs> His big fucking mutton chops. <laughs> oh, there's just something about the way he's like the way he's dressed too. He reminds me of like an Italian butcher in like a mafia movie. Oh yeah. The, the, the wife beater and the, and the it's all hairy and shit. Suspenders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy, that guy was great. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a weird element to the movie. And the fact that it works is strange, right? Like as, as I'm saying these things out loud, I'm saying these are oftentimes the kind of things that would ruin a horror movie for me because they pull you out of it but it works so well in this movie that I just went with it again that del Toro magic I don't understand exactly what he does but he he does it great yeah I I watched his interview on the criterion thing and he said that uh, what he likes to do 
in movies is uh, take a movie with a monster in it and make the monster like the most sympathetic character in the movie. So then you just yeah. see like all the people around him that are evil. I feel like, I mean, this is his first feature film. And I, you know, it's pretty apparent in the movie. Um, and we continue to see him do that throughout his career so far. Yeah, it's it's interesting for him to try that in his first feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like most first time filmmakers will go for the more straightforward story, right? Yeah. And he just was like, "No, nah, I'm swinging for the fences on this one." Weird, weird scarab thing that bites a guy in the chest, and <laughs> no. I mean, just again, this movie's in two languages. What what first time filmmaker goes, yeah. I'm going to make my little horror movie, but I'm going to have it be in two different languages. <laughs> it's like, yeah, why not? I read somewhere that it was rejected by the Oscars because it was not, uh, they tried to submit it as like best foreign film. And I'm wondering if the fact that it was partially in English is why that I couldn't find that information, but I wonder if it being partially in English prevented it from being nominated. That'd be dumb, but that would make sense. Yeah, I don't know. It could be some other reason too. I don't know. Or, or the thing I read could also just be wrong because I don't do that much research. Doug's philosophy of research is well, the internet said it; it must be true. Yeah, I figure if I'm way off, you'll correct me. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I feel like I'm in Noah's boat. Like, movie's so good, I really don't have anything to, like, complain about. But then that doesn't leave me with anything to really talk about. Yeah, I don't know that I have any actual criticisms of this movie. I mean, like I said, even the things that I would normally call criticisms, they work so well in this movie that I have no problem with it. Um... Yeah, I, I, I don't know that there's anything negative to say, which is very strange. Normally I can find stuff, but like what would be my biggest complaint about this movie would be maybe that they don't lean enough into the horror element of it. Maybe we could get a few more kills or something, but I, I don't have that problem when I watch the movie. It's more just like an intellectual idea of, oh, I guess we don't see him meet very many people, so I guess he could do that more, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, and that interview Del Toro says, yeah, you... You only ever see him bite one person on the neck and that person was already dead. So it doesn't really count. Yeah. Well, and that goes to what Del Toro was saying about wanting to make him a sympathetic character. Um, Like when we do see him drinking blood, he's like licking it off the floor and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. That's so gross. (laughs) It's, it's so upsetting. He's just laying on the floor and it's like, it's an older gentleman too. In case people haven't seen the movie, it's like, it's got this, he's got white hair and he's like, he's a grandpa. And then you see him laying on a bathroom floor, licking up somebody else's nose blood. And you're just like, Oh God, he's going to lick it up off the sink. And then someone came running in. There's like a weird moment too, where, um, as he's laying on the ground, licking up the blood, you see somebody walk by. And you're like, did is there just another dude in there just like taking a leak? And this guy's on the ground licking up fl- like <laughs> blood. And then it turns out to be the Ron Perlman character, so he's there for a reason. But um, 
for a second, I'm just like, oh God, like what would you even do if you were that guy? <laughs> you just like you just come out of the stall and there's a guy on the floor licking up blood. You just kind of like <laughs> politely try to exit without bringing it up. Like, <laughs> oh my God, no. It's if I ask him, he's going to start telling me why he's doing this, and I don't want to know. So <laughs> <laughs> just back away slowly. It's like shit. He's in front of the sinks. I can't wash my hands. <laughs> Uh, well, anything else? Yeah. I, I know we'll have plenty to talk about in the next movie. <laughs> According to Noah's texts back and forth. Well, we'll see. This was a Christmas movie, so technically we are kicking off our holiday season here oh, on the podcast. So this Sweet. podcast will likely get released in December. I might understand that correctly. Uh, Probably. If not right so. before it. Yeah, so it's nice that we conveniently picked the first movie we're going to talk about in December is set at Christmas time, and that licking blood up off the bathroom floor scene is actually at a New Year's party. So it's nice to get us set up for the holidays. (laughs) Nice holiday cheer with bathroom blood licking. Uh, All right, Noah, do you want to run down let the right one in? Sure. It's a uh, about a 12 year old boy who's being savagely bullied at school school and he gets a new friend who is a girl who lives in the apartment building with him and she's a vampire and they fall in love and it takes them four and a half fucking hours to tell that story. Mm, It takes like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. This movie felt like it was a thousand years long. It is so much. There is so much like dead fucking space in this movie. There's a lot of cool things that go on. Don't get me wrong. All the vampire stuff is awesome. Anytime they're dealing with vampire stuff. Great. But they also deal with a whole bunch of like sad, creepy little blonde boys sitting around half naked. I mean, it is a European movie or Scandinavian movie. Some of the stuff involving the children is upsetting by yeah. North American standards because of the the whole just just the well, we, we full, are not prepared full frontal to child see. nudity. You mean that? You mean the full frontal uh, child nudity? It's not full frontal child nudity. You're exaggerating slightly. That's um, true. It's just zoomed directly in on the naked girl's crotch. Hmm. Is she a girl, though? It's zoomed in enough that you can't tell. So that's the thing. Uh, So this is based on a book. Apparently, they're more explicit about it in the book. That she was actually a little boy at one point. She is now a, what do they call it, a eunuch? Yeah. They just cut everything off. Yeah, so what they zoom what they zoom in on Noah is not uh okay. I it's, I it's, it's a scar. They didn't zoom in on a little girl's vagina. Instead, they zoomed in on a little boy's mutilated genitals. That is much better. <laughs> it's but all we see is a scar. We don't see anything. And to and be I, fair, <laughs> 
The actual character is supposed to be like much older than a child. To be foul. Well, the, yeah, the exact description is I'm 12, but I've been 12 for a long time. Which is, I, I actually found the portrayal of the character really interesting because whenever you deal with vampires and vampire children, um, one of the interesting things is do they continue to mature or do they stay the age that they were when they died? And in this one, they chose to go with basically she stays the age she was when she died. So it is a child with all of these powers and with this control over her familiar and dealing with all this stuff. And I find that very interesting because it's super neat how to watch her interact with the little boy or Oscar to, to see them interact and to watch her like just so desperately want a friend basically is what it, what it is. I don't know if they explicitly ever state it in the movie because once again, it was very long and it's all in subtitles. So I, I can't honestly say that I paid close enough attention to see every word that was said. But I assumed by the end of the movie that that familiar was another little boy, much like the main character who fell in love with yeah, her I agree. and followed her off. And, yeah. he's, and he's been taking care of her ever since. Well, yeah, one of the things I really like about the movie is the background storylines and that familiar. It's so sad to watch him because he's older and he's basically starting to fail at his job. He's getting he's like getting to the point where he can't capture people, kill them, drain them of their blood, hide the bodies and bring the blood back successfully, which is, I mean, it's a problem. Most people do retire from a job like that before they get to his age. A job like but that? They um like to watch him struggle and fail to do that job and to see how upset he is when he comes home. And then there's scenes of him like watching the children interact out the window and he, that's his competition out there, right? That's the guy who's going to take him out. And, he, and at the end of the day, he knows the only way he gets out of this job is dying, right? But so he's, as he's watching her interact with Oscar, he's seeing himself be replaced and knowing that because he can no longer do the job that he's going to soon be put out to pasture. And by put out to pasture, I mean murdered. I found it. I found that character really sympathetic and I felt really bad for him watching this movie. I'm just like, imagine how you would feel doing that. Cause it's not like he has a choice with the killing, right? He's to a certain extent, I guess you could argue that he's, he's under her control, right? If he tries to stop, he's going to be killed. And it gets to that point where he even tries to mutilate himself to try and protect her. And I think, I, I, it's not stated in the film, but I think of it as he thinks that if he can somehow get, if he can somehow stop, but but do it in a way where he's not identifiable, so nobody knows he's the guy that was with her, that she could then let him live. But she's not going to let that happen. So I, I I I liked that sort of secondary storyline that was going on in the background the whole throughout much of the movie. Yeah, he tries to kidnap a kid in uh, the school gym, like the locker room. Ends up getting yeah. caught, and his, his only recourse is like, "Well, this is time to pour all this acid all over my face," which is a fucking yeah. horrible scene to watch. 
it's hard. And when they show his face after and he's all fucking two faced up, I'm yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Like it's, I, I really like the visuals in this movie as well. And that one in particular is just, it's hard to look at. Yeah. And yeah, when she comes to him in the hospital and he's going to kill him off and then she bites him and then he falls and fucking hits his head on that yeah. sort of, uh, outcropping or patio or whatever it is below oof mm-hmm. i like the way that they visuals. did a, a lot of the a lot of the the violence in this film they do it they set the camera way far back and that's i think that's done because they didn't have the budget for great cgi so when they want her to be climbing buildings and shit they had to do it in a way where you're not seeing it too closely but i think it really works aesthetically for the film i love that we see her like walking around like a normal person and then when we take this like big broad view we can see her scurrying up the side of a building or whatever um i really like the way that they did that yeah it's the very first time i watched this i didn't even see her up there yeah like i just saw the nurse come out she's hanging out out there then goes back in i'm like what the fuck was up with that and then, like, the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, shit, she's climbing up the building. Okay. <laughs> but they they do, they do use that same thing when she kills the person in, like, that tunnel where she's, like, laying on the ground. And that you see them, like, talking, and then it pulls back, and you see her kind of jump up and grab onto the guy's head and bite his neck. And, yeah. and I, I think it's used to great effect throughout the movie. Yeah. They do a good job. We get some CGI cats later, which I think don't even look all that bad. So I'm kind of surprised at how well this movie looks. The whole, yeah. the whole cat thing. I, I'll be honest. I, I get that it's not supposed to be funny, but I was laughing so hard. Cause all I could think of was the movie sleepwalkers. I was like, wow, <laughs> they stole something from a bad, dumb movie. Oh, come on. Don't go bad mouth and sleepwalkers until we do it on the show. Um, but yeah, it, it, the, the cat scene is, I don't think it looks terrible. I just think they kind of overdid the number of cats that are attacking at once. <laughs> and it does start to become a little comical. Well, um, it's just whenever they get to the point where it's showing, the the two guys arguing through the door and it, the camera's outside looking through the window and she's just absolutely covered in cats thrashing around. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's pretty fucking great. I wish I'll I'll be a hundred percent honest. I wish this movie was just that, just <laughs> just a woman <laughs> being attacked by cats for an hour and a half. I mean, that's a different movie. I think I might enjoy that movie as well, but it's a very different movie. This one, we have to take some time to watch some kids go ice skating. Well, one kid beats another kid with a stick while other kids discover a dead body. You know, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Should we talk about Oscar getting bullied throughout this movie? She's like, it is. I'm going to tell you flat out, like as a kid that was bullied a lot, oh, man, this felt, re- this felt real to me. And part of it is just maybe because because this movie's in Sweden, so everybody dresses like it's the 80s. But, um, <laughs> like, 
it is hard to watch when they're pushing him around and you see those scenes of him like fantasizing about fighting back with his knife and stuff, but he doesn't actually want to do it. And yeah. And then when he finally does fight back and he's the one that's in trouble and I'm like, that's what would happen. That's exactly what would happen. Like, oh, it's, it's heart wrenching for me to watch it. I think it's just part of it is I think because they use real children, they don't like Hollywood it up and these kids look real. So you, you believe that it's 12 year olds bullying each other. And part of it is just because it feels like, yeah, that's what it's like to get bullied when you're a kid. It's just like the world is against you. There's nothing you can do about it. What, like what's he gonna do tell a teacher that'll fix it like you know what i mean there's there's no solution to bullying there just isn't and it's overwhelming to a child and it's it's what's why it's wrong to do it but it, there's no way around it yeah you know he smacks that kid with that stick i was like damn right that kid deserves it fuck that kid i was yeah i'm all for it i'm all for smacking that kid with that stick and i was well, again, i was that like kid that kid just cries like a little bitch <laughs> yeah and you're like well yeah, that's 100 well and that's 100 percent what happens to you because that kid yeah. is a little fucking weasel and of course he cries like a bitch whenever he gets hit in the ear with a stick let's all be honest that kid gets whacked real good with that stick man we would all fall to the ground and we would all cry if we got hit like that <laughs> <laughs> again I'm, I'm glad it happened to him i liked it but God damn. And when you see him later and his ears all like swollen and red and shit, and you're like, oh, really did some damage to that ear. Again, he deserves it. I got no yeah. problem with it. But shouldn't be uh, being a little bitch to people. And it's even some of the little things like when Oscar goes and finds that his pants have been stuffed into the urinal. Like, yeah, nothing that horrendous ever happened to me, but I'm just like, oh, that's the fucking worst. Stupid shit like yeah. that. That when that happens to him, and then you see him outside, and it's all cold, and he's just wearing his shorts and carrying his bag, his pants in a plastic bag. I'm just like, oh my god! Like, because it's not just that they did that to you, and now you're cold, and now everybody is gonna watch you walk home from school in your shorts, knowing that that's why you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's the layers of bullying built into things like that are just horrific. Yeah, I was going to say that one didn't specifically happen to me, but someone in my class did. Well, we were in gym, the asshole kids, like five of them snuck off, went down to the locker room and all the lockers in the gym were the, uh, you know, those, the like diamond pattern metal mesh, basically. And basically they all took turn pissing on all of his stuff. Oh, oh, fuck. Shit like that's horrible. And, and guess what happened to them? Not a fucking thing. <laughs> of course yeah, not. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, uh, that's, again, again, but bullying is the worst thing in the world because there's no solution to it. There's nothing yeah. that gets done about it. You just, you have to take it. And if you fight back, you get in trouble for some reason. It's how the world works. And yeah. we lie to we lie to children and say, "Oh, it gets better," and it's like, no, it it changes, but that shit just keeps happening as to adults too. And I feel terrible when I see it happening. Yeah. It doesn't happen nearly as much to me, or do I see a bunch of people doing it? I don't, but it's, like it's you gotten see, better for me, but 
you see the people just yelling at like the fucking Walmart clerk or the fucking. It's, uh, it's just like I guess that's standing true. there taking it, and it's just no. That's just a that's just a schoolyard bully that grew up and is just sitting there screaming at the next person that they think they have power over, and it's like oh. That's true. I guess I didn't think about it that way. About how about that scene at the end where they all get uh fucking wrecked? That's <laughs> oh. so good. Man, again, the visuals are amazing. They know just how much to show in this movie. When they decide to go into horror movie mode, they know the exact right way to do it. And that arm that's holding the kid underwater and all of a sudden he like notices it's not holding him anymore and then it drifts past him and it's been severed is a perfect shot. It is amazing. It looks great. Like the visuals look great and it's just, it's so well done. And you're just like, you're at that point you are as an, as a viewer, like cheering for this vampire to murder children because they've just been such assholes the whole movie. And you're also understanding exactly why Oscar would now feel this allegiance to her and decide to leave with her and become the new familiar. It's now makes total sense. Oh, well, I don't know. I, I didn't take it as he gained any additional allegiance from her saving him. I took it as, well, now I'm in a room full of uh, mangled corpses. So I guess this is this life is done. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. I take it as like her because I'm I'm again looking at her relationship with the old man at the beginning and then comparing that to her relationship with Oscar throughout the film. And I'm looking at it as it's a weird like I feel obligated to this person and I want to help them and I care for them. But also I sort of have to do what they say or else they'll kill me. It's it's I don't even know how to like the only I, I'm trying to think of a way to describe it, but it's almost like if somebody was a slave, but felt like maybe like they wanted to help the family as well. It's like which is obviously not the way that works, but for the purposes of a horror movie, it kind of like it implies that she has some sort of enchantment over them to a certain extent. And it, without getting too detailed into it and turning it into some weird superpower. Yeah, and I don't even know if it goes that far. Uh, there is a point where Oscar is just... I mean, he, they show him because of the bullying kind of turning into a weird psychopath anyway. Um, yeah. Stabbing trees with his knife and shit. Yeah. Uh, and but, she, that might be why she picked him. Like, that's what he's doing when they yeah. first meet. Yeah. And then he gets a weird, like, sort of attitude towards her for a little bit. Like, I think it's after she's sort of revealed as a vampire. I don't I think maybe he's just sort of snotty about it and just doesn't, I don't know if he 100% doesn't believe her or sort of what the situation is, but he's just like, yeah, whatever. And then uh, she comes over to see him. And apparently in this, you have to invite a vampire in every time they come to your door. Because he invites her in at some point to come in through his window. But she comes over later and she's like, you have to invite me in. And he's like, well, what if I don't? He's kind of being a dick. And he's like, I just want to see what happens. So she comes in. 
starts hemorrhaging blood from like every every like opening in oh. her body. It's fucked up and pretty awesome at the same she's time. She's like she's sweating the blood out of they show her like head and she's like sweating blood out of her head. Yeah. And you're just like, oh and uh, like from her eyes, the visual again is just it's it's the poster in a lot of cases. That's the shot they use and for good reason. Um it's just it's so cool looking and it's upsetting because again it's a child right like your instinct is to want to be protective of this person so it's and he gets all upset and then invites her in so the bleeding stops yeah but that's i mean see that's all part of it because it's like his instinct is when he finds out that she's a vampire his instinct is like well you're evil and i'm not gonna like help you anymore and be we shouldn't go steady anymore kind of thing. (laughs) Um, And, but yet when she plays this card, when she shows up and is like, well, look what happens to me. If you're not nice, I could bleed everywhere. And then he is again, like enchanted with her. And part of that is, I think a genuine connection between the two of them. And part of it is her manipulating him. I don't, I think the, the line isn't clear on exactly what's going on. Yeah. And I, like, and I, th- like, I think it's confusing for her too. Again, because she is a twelve-year-old who's been twelve for a long time, and she's she is a like she she does have all this power, but she doesn't necessarily know how to use it. And I don't think she understands that she's like mistreating these people. If that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, she's kind of a bratty. I I want something, and I should yeah. get it. Sort of attitude. Because she never, like, even with the older familiar, she never comes right out and says, like, if you don't go get me blood, I will kill you. It's implied, but I don't think she feels like she feels like that person is doing it because they want to. But we do notice, like, if, if there's really subtle things in this movie, too. Like, the first time she meets Oscar, she's standing up on that, like, shitty 80s play structure that they have in their <laughs> yeah. thing. And... She kind of just hops off the top of it and you can tell that there's something that's not how a 12 year old jumps down off of something that high, right? Like she's obviously got some sort of power later on when they're out there together, you'll notice that she kind of gets down from it in a more normal fashions. And I think that is her trying to act more like a little girl because she wants to be accepted by Oscar. She wants to be his friend. She even eats stuff that makes her sick just because he has bought it for her, you know, mm-hmm. and she's she's trying to act like a normal girl because she's trying to make a normal friend. That's what she wants. But at the end of the day, she's also going to then later completely control his life and force him to kill for her and stuff. So it's 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 a really interesting dynamic that I think is intentionally left kind of vague because I don't think the characters themselves understand what they're doing to each other. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I don't know. What else, what else do me and you like about this movie? No. What do you think of this movie? You haven't really given what your overall thoughts were, I guess. I, I don't think it's a completely badly making film, but I think you could edit 15 minutes out of this movie and make it a lot more enjoyable. 
it was just so it was yeah. just so fucking long that by the time the cool stuff would happen, it was like this is just in fucking sufferable. Oh, I just see. Yeah, I just I find that absurd because every moment of it to me is important. Like, yeah, I feel like it being Norwegian or Swedish or whatever the fuck it is. Um, lends it like this weirdly bleak quality that I think works really well for it. Like it's set in that snowbound like setting, and everything is dark and gray and. Sometimes the kids yeah. will have like bright like eighties like jackets and shit on, but um I feel like it all just lends to it. So then I feel like if if the story does sort of uh slowly go on, I feel like that still just adds to that whole sort of atmosphere to it. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I think the that's I mean, first of all, the snow just looks nice and it offer we get a few times where we see blood splatter into the snow and different things like that, which I think is cool looking. Um, but also like you're you're right. Having it set in winter, having it set in this environment where everything is you know, the kids are coming home from school and it's already kind of dark and stuff makes it feel that much more grim. And I think spending time just in that world really sucks you in atmospherically and i i guess it didn't work for no but i I, i'm not sure even what to say about that like i just for me i'm just fully engaged in this movie whenever i watch it i'd be interested i could not imagine watching this movie again it's well well, i'm curious it's not long it's not long i'm like 10 minutes longer than the other movie I'm curious if Noah were to watch the American remake, which is actually a pretty good remake. It um, is, yeah. So you don't have to read subtitles, but you still get, pretty much get the same story. Whoa. It is a, it's a bit faster paced too. There is some of that. Uh, it, it is the same length. I literally just pulled it off my shelf. It's the same length as the Swedish version. Well, and there's a TV series, right? There's a TV series. I haven't watched that yet. I plan on doing it. So, yeah, but me neither. Um, but the movies, well, there, actually, you guys, there you guys go. They can stretch this fucking long ass movie into 13 hours. <laughs> uh, but I actually think the U.S. remake's pretty good, and it's directed by Matt Reeves, who just did uh, the Batman last year. Was that this year? When the fuck did that movie come out? That was this year. Oh shit! That feels like three years ago. Um, I know. Time moves slower now. Yeah. Uh, but it's directed by Matt Reeves. And even though it's the same story, he, uh, I think, finds interesting ways to shoot it. Uh, there's a scene where, like, the the familiar is going out to hunt somebody down and he's in a car. He's trying to, like, I think he's just kidnapped him and he gets in the car and maybe he's being chased. It's been a while since I watched this version. So the scene's a little bit different, but he ends up, like, flipping the car over, but you see it from inside the car. Like they shot it for real where the car flips over. So you're with the camera the whole time stuff. So there's a lot of cool visual flares in it. And, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz plays the vampire girl. Uh, and she's all right. She's just the, it's the most obvious casting ever, but right. She's also, there's a reason why she's cast in these types of roles at that age because she's perfect for it. 
And then uh, Elias Codiace plays the uh, the cop, sort of going around investigating all this stuff. But they actually expand his role a little bit in this movie, or in the American version. Yeah. Really? Great. In an American version, they fucking they give the cop investigating what's going on way more screen time. I know, right? Shocking. It's shocking. But it's Elias Codiace. They so, also... I mean, yeah game. all the performances are really good in that um so yeah. who plays who you have the box there brian who plays the familiar it's somebody cool uh it's richard jenkins the dad That's from stepbrothers yeah. so watch stepbrothers and then watch this and see two completely different performances yes he's but he's excellent in the movie he is he's familiar. really good and he's he does a really good job of portraying a lot of what the guy does in this movie about like getting too old for the job and not being able to pull it off anymore. And that sort of, he's still, he's sort of her slave, but he's also sort of her father that, you know? Yeah. I would, um, I would also assume the American version probably, uh, foregoes showing mangled child genitals. Uh, it does. It does skip that out. That is, I guess that's my biggest, my, my criticism of this movie would be that that's not necessary in the movie. Um, and it, if they're going to do that, they should have explored it more. It feels yeah. more like that's just for fans of the book who maybe would understand it more yeah. in the movie. Well, um, you could even have just done it in dialogue. You have him look in and then there's a, a <laughs> snippet of dialogue. You got no vagina. <laughs> He's got to say like Forrest Gump, like, like Lieutenant Dan, you got no legs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <It's> not... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, it probably is something they could have left out of the movie or explored it more. And it's made true. It a little it went, they definitely should have went one way or the other. She yeah. does at some point ask As him, turn... ask him if he would still like her if she wasn't a girl. Which you have discussions like this afterwards gains more weight to that statement, but in the movie it's just yeah. oh she's talking about because she's a vampire. Yeah, because there's a point where she says I'm not a girl, yeah. and he's like whatever, like he doesn't understand that at all, and it's. But, anyways, it's neither here nor there. No. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie. I saw this at a convention. Nobody even knew oh, what really? it was. And I was like, oh, yeah, this, I don't know. It's a vampire tale. I'll go watch it. And I sat there the whole time. I was just like, holy shit. Like, I really enjoyed this fun movie, to go but, into it, this. but it's not really like a vampire movie. So, the fuck. Oh. And, you know, by the end of it, I'm like, oh, my God, I love this movie. Yeah. I would love to have gone into a blind. See, it had a reputation by the time I saw it. Oh, yeah. So the first time I watched it was at home. I I watched it at home, and then, like, it was funny because someone got me a copy of it totally legally, and obviously I was allowed to have it, and there's no reason for any follow-up questions. And I watched <laughs> it, and then, like, a couple of weeks later, it started. It was playing in a theater, and I'm like, well, now I, I want to go see it in the theater as well. Oh, so I ended up going and seeing it in the theater after having yeah. already watched it. And it was like, but, it, it you know, it, it had already come with the reputation and with the people saying, you've got to see this. So I yeah. wish I'd seen it. You did. Yeah. 
Nobody. I miss like going to conventions that have like just weird movies playing at them and you have no idea what you just stroll in. Yeah. It seemed to happen as much lately. No, I haven't been to a horror convention in forever for obvious reasons. And then just cause I, yeah, especially around here, like after I would go to them for like, you know, four years in a row, I'd realize like, Oh, it's the same thing every time. I, well, I think uh, my problem with them is they used to be fun when it was like you'd go, you'd see some B-list celebrity from some random horror series that 90% of the public don't care about, but all of us do, and you'd throw them a $20 bill, and you'd get something signed, and you'd go, hey, you're cool, and they'd be like, thank you for saying I'm cool, and you go, yeah, and walk off, and now you go, and it's upper B tier list celebrities going, uh, it's $500 to speak to me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, fuck yeah, off. I, I agree with that. Conventions went from these weird little underground things to these more popular, bigger things. And, you know, I, I don't know the last couple times I went to one, I found like every booth was some corporation running it. And yeah. it was no longer, you know, and that along with the fact that with, the internet with the streaming era and everything, you know, you're not finding these like rare titles that you could never get anywhere else anymore. You know, you're not, yeah. If you really want something, you could just, you know, order it online. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I bought a region free uh, Blu ray player for a hundred bucks. So if it's not out here, I'll just, uh, oh, look, it's out in, uh, you know, Transylvania. I'll just fucking order a copy from there. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, it used to be you'd find, like, weird bootlegs of stuff that hadn't been released, or you'd find, like, even, like, collectibles and stuff, and it's like, well, all that shit is just available online now. It's... Yeah. And, you yeah, know, like... I, I bought a bootleg of House 4 at a convention. And regretted yeah. it later. I still, like, I still remember one of the first conventions I ever went to. My buddy got a bootleg of Monster Squad when it was not available on in any format. And I'm like, I want one. And then it was the last copy. And I went to the same convention a year later and went straight back to that booth and was like, talk to that guy. Because that was how long I had to wait back then. <laughs> when you couldn't just download stuff off the internet and, you know, everything wasn't released on special edition Blu-rays. And, you know. Yeah. I still oh, the special back in my day. Monster Squad. Oh, of course. <laughs> like, but I remember my going back to my buddy's place after that convention and putting in the bootleg <laughs> of Monster Squad, which was a VHS rip, and whoever had done it had left in the FBI warning at the beginning about <laughs> not making copies of the movie. <laughs> and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, uh, that, yeah, and like yeah I, don't know. I saw an early version of tucker tucker and dale versus evil and it was so yeah. early that the uh, effects weren't even complete yet i saw that <laughs> they, they, they talked them into like letting them show it i was like jesus christ he's probably should have waited yeah i actually i saw that at one point when yeah I don't know how I saw it, but I remember there's a scene where there's like a bee going to land on his nose and there's just like a 
in the version that I saw because there was no digital effect yet. It just said, like, there'll be a bee here, like in words on the screen, <laughs> like instructions to the uh, special effects guys. Anyways, that's pretty far off target. No, totally. What, what, what are we supposed to be talking about? Foreign vampire movies? Yeah, let the right one in. Right, okay. Do we have much else to say? I don't know. It's. I mean, the movie's fantastic. If I watch it again, I probably will have different compliments for it. But we've kind of covered it. I, I, I just, I absolutely love the movie. I think it works on every level. Just, I find it visually stunning. I find it completely compelling. I think their performances are good. Um, you know, two lead actors are both children, and yet the performances are good. That's fascinating in and of itself. Um, yeah, we we talked about how in the last movie it was so smart not to give the child any dialogue, so they couldn't screw it up. And here it's like <laughs> all the dialogue is kids. But yeah, and even though it's, it's in fine. a different language, I feel like they do a pretty good job. Like I can't tell that. Like, oh man, these kids are terrible. I feel like. The emotions that they're putting across um, really work on screen. I, I think they do. Um, and like I say, the subtleties of it sometimes are like the way that they speak to one another and the way like her, her kind of double speak, even when she says things like, well, I'm not a girl, like, and we all think she's saying I'm a vampire, but turns out she's saying something else. And it's like, okay, like all that sort of subtlety, I think, comes through. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe if I spoke Swedish, it would <laughs> I would realize they were bad actors, but I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So three strong recommends. That's the conclusion. <laughs> Two and a half. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying that me watching it was not great. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I mean, this isn't something you'd want to tackle right now, but like I said, I'd be interested to watch if you watch the American version and if you enjoy that better. Like I feel, I do feel like the pacing's a little bit quicker. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's it's Americanist. Same, yeah. It is and the same they, length. But, but, then, but then I feel like I would be angry at myself for liking the American version more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have to get over your own pretentiousness there a little bit yeah. and be like, sometimes remakes are good. Um, yeah. no, but, like the I American said, version I, is a really good movie. I don't have much negative to say about it at all. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I usually don't like uh, remakes of foreign films either. I'm like, just fucking watch the foreign films. But, um, I do feel like it is a good remake. It still puts the same story across. It has a couple visual flares that kind of set it apart. And um, I feel like it does make it more Americanized. Um, I almost but, want to watch the cat, the cat scenes back to back. That's what I was going to say. This is an experiment I'm in favor of. <laughs> maybe maybe get cat attack true. scenes from a few other movies too just so we have a control group do we have like a, enough cat attack scenes that we could have the um have a series of them from the originals and from remakes so we could compare and contrast and see which remakes improved upon the cat attack scenes and which remakes didn't <laughs> Well, there'd be sleepwalkers, there'd be 
Something from Cat's Eye, probably. <laughs> probably. And we did uh, a show about attacking cats movies. <laughs> yeah, that's we cemetery. have done that. Cat's Eye is the one where the cat crawls into the guy's stomach and then comes crawling back out his mouth, right? Uh, that's uh, Tales from the Dark Side of the movie. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. You're right. Cat's Eye is the cat in the anthology who's going across country to find Drew Barrymore. <laughs> and waters into three different Stephen King stories. Battles battles that weird little goblin dude. Yeah. You watch Cat's Eye. You can even skip a... most of that movie and just watch the little goblin dude. Nah, I like the other <laughs> parts, too. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I should watch it. I think I'm going to put it on the list. I have a series of Stephen King things didn't, to put on the list. Didn't didn't oh, we already man. do it? Nah, I don't think so. Am I crazy? I could I could have sworn to God we've done Cat's Eye. Well, you probably did it on Scott's podcast and you forgot. <laughs> so many of those now. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, what did everybody watch since last week? Uh, I watched a couple things. I watched okay. the entire series God's Favorite Idiot. Alright. <laughs> Which, what is that? Right. It's, it's pretty good. I, I'm, I'm kind of into it. Um, so it is literally about a guy who ends up being like the chosen one. Like God just picks him and it's like, you are going to deliver the message. And the world is kind of ending. It's the end of days and heaven and hell are battling. And But it's just this dude who's just a relentlessly nice guy. Just trying to like exist in the world while being a prophet of God involuntarily. <laughs> it's hard to explain. It's got what's what's her face that I hate. Uh, that could be anybody. No, Melissa McCarthy. She, oh, oh, hate her. She's the worst. Yeah, no one hates her. But uh, hate her. she's she's tolerable in this movie. Or no, it's a series, I guess, but it's it's real short. It's only like eight episodes long for the first season. And I don't I don't know. It's it's funny. It's funny in a weird way that's hard to explain because it's kind of just relentlessly positive. Does that no, make sense? I'm not really. I'm not really in favor of that usually. So. Yeah, but I don't know. It's in a good way, especially with with all the misery in the world. It's nice to watch something where you're just kind of like, eh, the main character is just a genuinely nice person. <laughs> it's kind of like Ted doesn't, Lasso, if you've watched Ted Lasso. Yeah, doesn't sound terribly realistic, but if it makes you feel any better, uh, one character is super into LARPing. And they keep watching videos of the LARP sessions online. 
And uh, it turns out that like he keeps getting showed up because Melissa McCarthy's character shows up and she's also into the LARP and she's just really, really good at it. And keeps whipping his ass. That sounds fun. <laughs> Funny. And the main character's dad keeps like they do a sauna every Tuesday and he keeps talking, calling it a pleasurable sauna and says it in this horrible, gross way that neither of them recognize because they're just nice people. There's a part in the show where he keeps going, I can't wait to go pleasure ourselves in the sauna later. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, no. <laughs> Stop doing that. But yeah, God's favorite idiot. You should watch it. It's it's all right. And it's a short watch, so. Speaking of uh, role playing, makes me want to go watch role uh, role models again. I do, I do like role models. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing I went and saw in the theater was the menu. Mm-hmm. Which I I really liked it. I'm a pretty big fan. I, I feel like the descriptions I keep hearing of it don't seem to be accurate. No. Which is confusing. I was going to go see yesterday and something came up so I couldn't go. Um, So I think I'm going to try to see it this weekend. Yeah. I've had multiple people keep saying reviews that it's a dark comedy. And it's like, that's not, it's just not accurate. Calling it a comedy is just wrong. It is funny. There are parts of it that are funny. But it is not just, it's not a comedy. It's not, see, I thought it was a comedy based on the trailers. No, see, it's got a, it's got a sense of humor to it. But I don't know. I, I think what I told I'll stick by what I told somebody else. Anyone who claims that it's not a horror movie is being a genre snob. Because hmm. it is it is it is straight up a horror movie. And then it's also funny so maybe you could i i'll accept calling it a horror comedy but i think even that's a little off because the focus isn't on the jokes Hmm. i don't know it's it's really hard to explain and i don't i don't want to spoil it but there's a lot of like interesting things being expressed in the movie that are about like the high end service industry and um, kind of the relationship of money and art and class and the damage it does to people. And I don't know. It's really cool. And, but, but I think part of the problem is I don't, I don't think people are going to get parts of the movie because I I think if you've never worked in a high end kitchen, you don't. You wouldn't understand why certain characters in the movie. Are doing what they're doing. If that makes sense, there's like a kind of almost. uh, And I kind of get it where it, it becomes almost cultish. Because you're you're spending so much time together in such a high intensity work environment that you know you kind of 
like I said, it's it's very cultish where you lose bits of your personality and kind of fall into being part of the group. I don't know. Maybe I'm probably giving the movie a little more depth than most people will give it, if that makes sense. I think you can enjoy it pretty much anyway. I think if you walk in and you think it's a dark comedy, I think you're going to laugh and you're going to have a good time. If you walk in thinking it's a slightly more lighthearted horror movie, you're going to watch it and go, oh, that's pretty cool. If you watch it and you think it's kind of art housey, you'll probably get something out of it for that, too. Yeah. I'm interested in checking it out. John yeah, I'm Zamo's curious in. about it. Haven't seen him in a bit. We just I watched guess. him in that spun. So we haven't seen him in a bit. Oh, but that I mean that was from 2002. Yeah, well. I met I met recently. I haven't seen him pop up in anything recently. What would you watch, Dan? Wait, 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 wait. So does this mean you, for another week, did not watch Weird, the Weird Al story? Damn it, Noah. Fuck, I forgot. How? No, stop. (laughs) It's so good. Did you see um, the thing that Weird Al posted online? That he he took home the tombstone from the movie of, of his own grave and put it in his backyard and didn't tell his wife. <laughs> so like two weeks, two weeks later, she goes in the backyard, finds a gravestone of her husband's. <laughs> <laughs> and he had it like he had it set up. It looked like maybe somebody was buried there. <laughs> I'm going to so remind Shar about that movie because I know she wants to watch it. We were even talking about Weird Al because we've got mm. tickets to go see him in a couple months. Yeah. So good. We got one more week, and then me and Doug are just going to spoil the living shit out of it. It's going to be all your fault. Yeah, I'll watch. I'll watch it again just so that we can talk about it. It'll be my third time, but that's fine. I'm okay with it. <laughs> maybe I'll ask. Maybe I'll ask Shar if she wants to watch it tomorrow. All right. He's not going to watch it tomorrow. No, I'm going to end up watching it tomorrow and then it's going to feel ridiculous <laughs> next week when he hasn't seen it. When do I not feel ridiculous? When you're on Scott's podcast, apparently. Yeah. Apparently Cause, it's all. Cause Scott's nice to me. No so one believes that. We got to put a stop to that. Yeah. I'll put it in the, in the contract. If he's going to yeah. be. Doing a guest appearance on other podcasts, people have to treat them like we treat them. Yeah. It's like it's like you, my, you and I are going to have my rider. bully Scott yeah. into bullying Noah. <laughs> there has to at least be 10, 10 bullying comments throughout the course of the podcast, or it doesn't count. You have to provide me with a charcuterie board with at least three cheeses and treat me like shit. <laughs> <laughs> done and done. What'd you watch, Doug? <laughs> Um, let's see. Remember last week when I watched a movie about like children getting kidnapped and murdered and I was like, I should do more of that. <laughs> so I, I actually didn't stop. I, I rewatched uh gone baby gone, which is, um, have you guys seen that one? It's 
Ben Affleck's uh, directorial debut, I believe. It, it is. I've seen it a couple times. I remember enjoying it, but it's been long enough that I, you know, I know what it's about, but I don't remember if I if it's good or not. Yeah. I remember it's, enjoying I mean, it for sure. I, I love it. Um, I've seen it a number of times, and it's it's dark as shit, and it's hard to watch. I mean, it's... And it really... It poses such weird moral questions to the audience. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like, well, what happens if a kid gets kidnapped, but possibly they'd have a better life if you didn't go get him back? Should you get him back or not? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, don't ask that question. <laughs> You're not, right. It's not supposed to be a question you put to an audience. Like, that's hard. You know, there's. Should stay with this drunk, uh, druggy, abusive mother or go live with Morgan Freeman? Come on. Yeah. Like, and, and it does that with a number of things in this movie where there's a scene in this movie where, um, well, through a series of circumstances, the Casey Affleck character, who's like a private investigator, finds himself in a room with a child that's like the child is now dead and the child abuser who has kidnapped and murdered this child is there. And he just snaps and puts a bullet in the guy's head when he sees the child's dead body. And as a moviegoer, your instinct is to be like, fucking yeah like that's at least in movie world even if you depending on how you feel in the real world but in movie world that's justice right that counts as justice and everybody's congratulating him and then he's sitting there going like no no like i murdered somebody i shouldn't like stop congratulating me and you're like oh yeah right like technically he just murdered a dude and that's not cool like the guy wasn't posing a threat to him in the moment. It's a straight up murder execution and you're not supposed to do that. And the movie kind of tricks you into, into thinking he's the hero. And then he doesn't want to accept that role. And you're like, yeah. And now the hero is like making you feel bad for treating him like a hero by acting even more heroic. And you're just like, stop doing this to me. movie. Like (laughs) it's hard to watch and uh, it, it does that like a, a few times with a few different things and the whole idea is that the Casey Affleck character is this like more moral than everybody else character who does the, the quote unquote the right thing each time and he says like flat out he's like I have to do this because I have to even if things end up worse because I did the right thing I'll still be able to look in the mirror and know I did the right thing and it's not my fault that things went bad, but if things if things go poorly after I did the wrong thing, then how am I going to live with myself kind of thing? And you're like, yeah, you're like, you're right. But I'm used to watching movies where when the good guy shoots someone that that makes him the hero. And I'm not used to these follow up questions about whether or not it was morally correct. And I don't know. It's. I don't think any other movie has ever made me second guess my own morality the way this film does sometimes where you're just like, it's like, it really goes out of its way to portray all of these different moral qualms and, you know, and is, is doing the wrong thing because you think it'll get a good outcome ever. Okay. And that question I don't think has an answer. So 
nice of the movie to ask it, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm due for a rewatch. I feel like I need to. Uh, I've been kind of wanting to rewatch the town as well. Is that in a while? Yeah. So I'd be interested to check both of them out. The town really, I think, is good too. It's more of a straightforward, you know, actiony type movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weirdly, like as everybody gained respect for Ben Affleck as a director, and he went from like this like first time director who put his little brother in a movie to like the town that everyone loves to like Argo that won him an Oscar. I like, I actually go the other way. I think all three are good movies, but I actually think gone baby gone is the best. The town is a good solid movie. And then Argo is kind of propaganda and it's, again, it's, (laughs) it's, it's well made, but it, it won an Oscar because of the subject matter, not because of it being better made than other movies. Because, yeah. you know, that's how it is. Could be fair enough. Like I said, I haven't really watched any of them in a long time. So. She needs to get back to directing some movies. Yeah. Went and, play, went and played Batman and they got all lost. Well, yeah, there's, I don't think it was being Batman that caused that. It was, I mean, I think that that played into it because he was originally supposed to direct the Batman, right? Um, And he he was pretty open about the fact that Warner brothers was like not interested in making a good movie. And he wasn't interested in making a bad movie. Apparently he was fine with starring in the bad movies, but not writing and directing them. Oh, get that, <laughs> get that double digits, a uh, million paycheck. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Sure. Well, I, yeah. And I think like, I don't, I don't want to speak for Ben Affleck's view on this, but I, thinking it from my perspective, I would look at it and go like, it's a lot easier to go in and act and just be like, it's just my job. I went in and did my job versus like, if you actually wrote the script and were directing the movie and kind of controlling it from beginning to the outcome, you'd have a lot more concern about the quality of the film because you have more control. You'd feel like you have more responsibility to make a good film for yourself. If not for anything else. Right. Yeah. That's our Ben Affleck tangent for the week. So we can move on or do you guys have anything uh, else you want to say about him? No. Yeah, actually I do. What about that big tattoo he has? Uh, I just read that him and Matt Damon are starting a new production company that I think is supposed to focus on like unknown filmmakers, like to help filmmakers get like their first movies going or something. Well, that's cool. I Maybe. heard they were doing something. I didn't know details. Didn't they have that TV show where they helped first time filmmakers yeah. make movies? Project Greenland. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Uh, ben Affleck and Matt Damon to star film production company. Uh, unlike streaming services in most studios, they plan to share profits with their actors and off camera artisans. Jesus. Good for them. Oh. Yeah, I always felt. I mean, you could say I never jumped on the anti-Affleck bandwagon, which kind of happened for a long time. I I never uh, understood it. No, it's just when when suddenly you can make millions of dollars, you're gonna make a bunch of shitty movies. That's fine. You got to get that money while you can. But I always felt like they they were 
both of them. I think Matt Damon didn't have nearly as much as that problem has been afflicted. Um, but I felt like they always, they loved making movies and stuff and really into like the filmmaking aspect of it and all that stuff. So well, I'm just like, I understand he, he makes some shitty movies, but you know, someone offers you $6 million to be in a shitty movie. All of us would be like, fuck, right. I'm going to do that for $6 million. So I don't know yeah. why it should be any different for him. Yeah. I also feel like, uh, what's interesting about those two guys is they are kind of a throwback to the nineties, right? Like they came out in the nineties in that independent film surge. And they're, it sounds like what they're trying to do is bring that back a little bit, like in their own way. Right. Which is cool. I like that. Sort of, sort of a modern version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like create a studio that will allow independent filmmakers to get stuff out again. And like, I know Matt Damon has done a number of interviews over the years where he kind of like complains about the fact that the kinds of movies he wants to make are the kinds of movies they made in the nineties. And it's like something like goodwill hunting probably doesn't get made today Yeah, because sure. it, like it, it would get made if Ben Affleck and Matt Damon today wrote it, but two unknown writers making it back then, it probably would never happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. what, because because they were friends with Kevin Smith and he got them in the door? Like, that's that's what it took, like, you know what I mean, to get a movie <laughs> like that made? And then all of a sudden, Robin Williams is in it and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like when you look at all the behind-the-scenes talent and people that got involved in a movie like that, and it's... We sort of talked about this when we were discussing, like, Spun, too. It sort of became something different when the studios got involved and started putting more money into it where it was like now all these people were getting involved but it was the studio's hand-picked choice of who was going to be the next big thing versus just people who really didn't have much in the way of connections being able to actually make movies back in the early to mid 90s yeah Yeah, it's uh sort of like yeah it's when you would make a movie on your own merit and somehow raised your own money and then got into Sundance and then suddenly everybody wanted it. That's like a huge difference than like you said, sort of these big studios who have an independent uh, wing of their business, like sort of picking like what independent movies they're going to end up doing and stuff. Yeah. Um, Which if anybody's interested in sort of that time period, uh, there's a book called, down and Dirty Pictures, which is, talks about sort of the indie boom through the eyes of like Miramax and the Sundance Film Festival. Um, and this was pre uh, the Me Too movement, so they don't talk about, okay. as, as much of that side of how horrible of a human Harvey Weinstein was. Um, yeah. They do talk about how he was a giant dick to everybody. Oh, I, everybody knew he was a dick. <laughs> that that yeah, part's yeah. not surprising. It's No, no, no. There's a difference between being rude and what we found out about him later. Uh, But it just sort of goes over that 90s boom of like independent filmmaking that I was a huge fan of and stuff. Just they talk to different people and how, you know, it seems like everybody had their own separate story of how they got into filmmaking and how it took off and sort of found their own path. And they were able to do it through this period, which... Yeah, really do that anymore, especially now with the how 
both oversaturated and how much the market has shrunk, <laughs> meaning that everybody's got a streaming service, so everybody wants everything, but then there's no real like quality control on a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's it's a weird new world we live in now. Like in some ways, I think if you get your foot in the door, there's a lot more opportunity to make stuff now because there are all these sort of like, you know, Netflix and Shutter and even Tubi makes like original movies now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or acquires them or however they get them. I don't know if they're involved in the production or not, but they call them Tubi originals. Um, you know, all these opportunities exist, but you kind of have to get your foot in the door and versus you can't just make a movie with your buddies and somehow it ends up in theaters. It's yeah. that doesn't seem to exist anymore. No. But I don't know. I in some ways I miss the nineties. Mm-hmm. I miss things like like Goodwill Hunting, like showing up and you're just like, oh, what's this? And you watch it and you're like, oh, that was amazing. Uh, and you're like, who made it? Those two guys, those two actors in it are, <laughs> made it. Oh, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense though. And you're like, oh, well, they did. Okay. Yeah. I agree. So as a, a random like addition onto this i also saw an interview with matt damon where he talked about um getting offered avatar and mm-hmm. they were like they were like like we don't know like because they were it was early in production like we you have like 10 percent ownership of the film oh, jesus christ it. jesus christ and he's like and he he was doing like reshoots for the Bourne movie, whatever Bourne movie. I don't know which I don't. I've never seen those Bourne movies, but whichever one they were making at the time. And he's like, no, no, like I I want to make sure I'm free for reshoot shoots for this. I don't want to leave them hanging, so I can't sign up for another project right now. He's like, so I went from like ten percent of Avatar to like James Cameron giving me a pat on the back and telling me I'm a good person. That's what that was the shift. He's like, he seemed to really respect what I said when I said no, but. Uh, Nobody's given up more money in Hollywood history than me. Which is <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, imagine if you were, imagine if you were James Cameron though, and you gave up 10% ownership in that just to get like, I'm assuming he would have been the starring role, but still like yeah. that's way too much to pay anybody for that particular <laughs> role. It's not like it takes a great actor to do that job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which then, uh, I assume, I mean, does he get paid so for the sequels name? too? Even if even if he's not in them, like I don't know. Yeah, like I don't know how that would. I don't. Yeah, I, I, doesn't, I don't, I don't doesn't know the Details of the contract, but Matt Damon never would have had to work again a day in his life. Not that he really needs to now, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is also the other thing where you're like, yeah, no, he wouldn't have had to work a day in his life. Of course, like the money he made off Goodwill Hunting is more than any of us are going to make in our entire <laughs> lives, right? Fucking the money he made off Dogma is more than we're we're all going to make in our entire lives. But, you know, we're all worried about him losing him on his billion dollars. Poor guy's going to have to get by as a multi-millionaire and not a billionaire. feel sorry for him. (laughs) Living his fucking dream. Now this is taking a dark turn. Let's go back to when (laughs) when we missed the 90s. (laughs) What else did you watch? Um... Well, speaking of like weird independent movies, I watched something called Windfall that I found on Netflix. Okay. Which is, um, so it's a new movie. And basically, the idea is this guy breaks into this billionaire's house 
Um, he's kind of like stealing a little bit, but it's not really clear if he's really there to steal or if he's just there to kind of like hang out in it for a bit. <laughs> but basically the, the people come home. So now he's got them as prisoners and they negotiate this deal where the guys are going to give him like half a million bucks if he goes away. Um, but they're stuck in there for like as a group for like two days until the money can get there. And so it's just this really, it's a series of just like awkward interactions between this kidnapper and his victims that are, that are all locked up there for like, like it's like supposed to be like a day and a half. Um, the reason that I watched it was mostly because of the cast. It's like Jason Siegel is the like kidnapper guy. And uh, Jesse Plemons and Lily Collins are the couple that are are kidnapped. Um, it was all right. That's what I would say about it. I was kind of hoping for a much darker, more serious movie. And this movie does have a few kind of like lighter moments to it. Maybe the tone isn't what I was hoping for. Um, maybe that's just me because I was in that weird dark space where I was watching all those dark movies the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, it's the performances are obviously good with those three actors. Um, there's really, I think there's only like two other speaking roles in the whole movie. So it's those three on screen the whole time. There are some interesting twists and turns. Um, some of it's pretty predictable where you see him kind of like, driving a wedge between this married couple and stuff like, which is exactly what you would expect. Um, but he, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it plays out. Obviously I'm not, I don't want to spoil every little detail of it. it plays out a little differently than what you might expect. And there's a couple of interesting little plot twists that show up, but, uh, all in all delivers kind of just what it promises. Like I say, a little bit too lighthearted for me, but that might be a good thing from other people's perspective. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I need super dark uh, kids in danger, possible pedophiles in the area, yeah. sort of, uh, sort of stuff. Yeah, like that's that's more the mood I've been in to watch movies. I also rewatched Seven this week. I don't know if we need to get into details about that, but I'm like, that's where I was at. <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely into the dark movies. That's for sure. It's just, I don't know. I, I go through phases. What do you want me to say? <laughs> um, yeah. The, the only other thing I like new movie that I watched that is probably worth talking about is I went and saw Guillermo del Toro's remake of Pinocchio. Mm. Um, it is definitely darker than most of the Pinocchio stories that you've seen in the past. <laughs> uh, way more world war one flashbacks than the Tom Hanks version had <laughs> <laughs> like, way more. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think there were any in the Tom Hanks version. I don't think there was a single bombing scene in the Tom Hanks version. No, oh, what's even the point. If though? I remember correctly. No children died on screen in that version, unlike in Del Toro's version, where we find out why Geppetto is so de- so eager to have a son is because oh, his, Jesus Christ, his his original child Carlo was bombed in World War One. <laughs> um, 
he was in a church and they dropped a bomb on the church. So they weren't directly bombing him. If that makes you feel better. Get that Carlo. Take him out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, from that perspective, I would say it's a little bit like there was actually a child at the theater and I almost wanted to like talk to them after and be like, was that okay for you? Like, I don't, I know this is Pinocchio, but I don't know if I would show this to my six year old. um it's yeah i found like the depiction of mussolini in the film was really disrespectful which is fine because it's mussolini like um but uh i was a little bit surprised how big a role mussolini had in this retelling of pinocchio good lord um (laughs) like it's 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 a weird thing to say, but it, um, visually the movie, if I saw this blind, I would tell you that it looks like what would happen if the guy who made Plant Pan's Labyrinth made Pinocchio. That's how I would describe mm. the visuals in this movie. Um, okay. So, I mean, knowing factually that that's what happened, um, it, it delivers what it promises. The, to, to answer the question from earlier in the podcast, no, Geppetto does not look like the guy from Kronos. He's no. a f- full bearded old Italian man in this. So everybody kind of looks like marionettes in this movie, which is a weird twist. Um, and I don't know. The movie walks a weird line where it's like, yes, Mussolini's in the film, but also Pinocchio befriends a monkey at one point. And the monkey seems to be able to communicate with him so you're like maybe this is a kids movie i don't know and there is like the jiminy cricket character whose name is sebastian cricket in this for some reason um which might be like from the original story i don't know maybe jiminy is just the disney version of it but like he's the comic relief and he's constantly getting like squished under things and then getting like trying to like peel himself up and you're like, that stuff is straight out of like a kid's cartoon. And it's like, he's voiced by Ewan McGregor. So you're like, he's pretty funny, like in the role. <laughs> and it's like, his character is basically, he's a, he's a writer and he's going to write his memoirs. So he settles down in this tree and then the Geppetto chops the tree down and makes it into a puppet. So that's how he ends up living inside Pinocchio for the rest of the movie. And you're just like, all right, um, there's something strange about that. That again, like, I don't know if this is a kid's movie, really. So I enjoyed watching the movie, but I don't know. I don't know who this was made for unless like unless Guillermo del Toro fans is now like a group the way Kevin Smith fans is now a group and he can just make movies specifically for people who are already fans of his. Um, that might be what's going on here, because I don't know that. I, like I, said, I don't think I would show this to my kid. I, I think it's a little bit too dark. Um, I think some of the kid, like they, there are musical numbers in it, but I don't think they're terribly well done. Um, possibly because, you know, the writer English is a second language for him. And when it comes to applying that to music it might be difficult. Um, but yeah, like, again, it's, it's Pinocchio filtered through the Pan's Labyrinth visuals and stuff, so I enjoyed watching it quite a bit. I just 
don't know who this film was made for unless unless it was just made for me to enjoy. So it, it's going to pop up on Netflix, I think, next month or something. Mm-hmm. So I would, um, I'd like to hear, I'd like you guys to watch it and let me know what you think. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Del Toro and it's kind of what we said before. Like, he's so good at making movies that he, like, he can't make a bad one. If he tried, I don't think he could make a bad one. Like, so <laughs> it's not like you're not going to enjoy watching it, but I just, I, I find it. The idea of making a fairy tale movie that is strictly for adults is interesting to me. And I just don't know. I don't know if it's going to go over well with like sort of your more mainstream audiences. Like I say, I don't know that couple that brought their kid and were sitting in front of me in the theater. I really wish I, I really wish I was enough of a social person that I could have sat down with them after and been like, guys regret bringing this kid are you happy you did this to your child or (laughs) which which one of you is going to get up with your child when she has nightmares tonight i'm just curious oh nobody's getting up she's just going to come sleep in their bed fair enough (laughs) oh yeah i I mean it's it's a recommend for guillermo del toro fans which i think we all are so that one uh Okay, yeah, I, I really want you guys to watch it so we can talk about it and kind of get your feel for it. As soon as it hits Netflix, I'll definitely be down. It's still playing at my local art house theater. If you want to fly up here and see it, you can. Oh, yeah. Definitely would be worth the price. Or I can just wait a month and it'll show up on Netflix. Yeah. I don't know. I like going to my art house cinema, though. It's... Yeah. I mean, really, my decision to see it was based most on I felt like going to the theater and then I picked a movie based on that. So. But that would be all I watched. So you got well, anything left, Brian? Uh, no. I watched I've caught up on Andor. And uh, okay. it's been pretty good. And then. Uh, yeah. Uh, Did you see that? That ship that um, was in the in it. Did you read up on how like that ship has apparently existed in Star Wars lore because it's one of the original designs from back before the first Star Wars came out. So they made toys of it back in like the seventies, but then it was never in any of the movies until now. Uh, which is fun I, for me. I did not. I, I don't even know so what you're like, talking about. So I'll have to big, look, look it up. Relationship that. It's the big the big federation ship that tries to uh catch what's his name? Cassian? No, not Cassian. The oh. uh oh. I can't I can't remember anybody's name except for Cassian. The guy but apparently, the uh Yeah. We got Stellan Skarsgard. Yeah, so the you know, like the ship that locks onto him with the tractor beam and stuff. Oh, okay. So apparently that ship has existed and they've just never put it into a show yet. Which I thought was kind of fun when I read about it. I didn't obviously didn't recognize it from when watching the show, but it was just, uh, I, I thought it was fun to read about. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, and then I started catching up on uh, this last group of episodes of the walking dead. Cause I hadn't started that yet. Oh yeah. So I can catch up. How's it going? The, uh, finale. Uh, it's all right. I mean, I don't know. When did you stop watching? 
uh, I'm up to whatever's on Netflix. I basically oh. haven't started this season. So, no. well, I'm only a couple episodes into this last part of the season, and it's mainly about them trying to bring down the Commonwealth or whatever. Just all the problems okay. that are going on inside of it. So, I don't know. Let's see. Kind of concerned. I'm like, okay, this is not what I was uh, excited for about the show ending. Was dealing with Commonwealth stuff. I go back to Alexandria. I want to go back to the hilltop, and maybe that'll happen. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting though because they're ending the show and they're making a big deal about how they're ending the show, but then there's like eleven spinoffs coming. Right. So. Are they really ending the show or are they just switching up the cast a bit, basically? You know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. Just moving everybody off into their own individual series rather than having them all in one. Yeah. Sure, why not? Which see, part of me when they had like Alexandria and the Hilltop and like three or four different communities going, part of me thought it would have been interesting to have each of those have their own show and then have, you know, crossover episodes. Yeah. Um, but they kind of moved on past that. And then I'm like, well, it seems like they're doing it too late. So I don't know. I'll, like, I'll, I'll watch it all probably when it shows up on Netflix. And then I'll see how it goes from there. But Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right. Noah, if you're still awake, do you want to tell us what we're doing next week? Yeah. I thought we would lighten things up next week and do uh, Harry and the Hendersons and Frostbite. Mostly. Harry and the Hendersons. Because I want to watch Harry and the Hendersons. Well, it's never a bad idea to watch Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> what's what's the other movie we're doing? Called Frostbite. It's I think it, yeah. it's it's an 80s ski sex comedy, isn't it? Uh, don't. <laughs> what? I don't know. How is that relied up with Harry and the Hendersons? What's the topic? for next week when we uh when we did frostbite the vampire movie um i think we found this other one and now i don't remember what it's about does this something to do with uh bigfoot maybe it must have a bigfoot in it or something <laughs> we, i think that's right i think know. there's i think there's a bigfoot in it. we don't have a clue why are we yeah. pretending that we know what's on our own list of movies we don't know. We don't know what's happening. We're all going to show up next week having watched different. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the 2005 Frostbite, is it? I, I honestly have no idea. In the scale. Maybe that is the one. I don't know. It's got Tracy Lords. There's, it. there's a 2020 movie called Frostbite on My Dick that shows up if you search on MVP. <laughs> It's hilarious to me that like when I type frostbite into IMDb, I get 2005 movie called frostbite with Tracy Lords in it. And then the next thing that shows up is captain America, the first Avenger. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, you know, the movie where the guy got frostbite, that's what you're looking for, right? You can't possibly want to watch these other movies. Yeah. I have no idea what this frostbite is. (laughs) Oh, okay. Frostbite. Frostbite from 2013 is about a schizophrenic teen who must prove a killer Yeti urban legend is a hoax. Uh, okay. That that's must be, be the it. one we're going to watch. That'll be it. So, does that seem right? 
That, see, that seems to make more sense than uh, anything else. And it's on Tubi, so we should be all right. Is it? Yep. Okay. So it is down here. So the, the 2013 movie? Not There's also <laughs> Frostbiter, Wrath of the Windigo from 1995. That could be it. Oh, is that it? God damn it. it has I don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, duo gun heavy redneck hunters stupidly break a sacred circle on the hunting spree, which releases the <laughs> deadly Wendigo. Wendigo kills many of the hunters gruesomely, leaving the chosen woman and gun-toting idiot to destroy the deadly beast. Yeah, I don't know. If that came out in the 80s, I'd probably want to watch it, but from 1995, I don't think we need to watch that one. <laughs> yeah, then... The movie out here, aka Frostbite. Uh, business trip takes him home. Friends, da, da, da. Uh, oh. Three guys hatch a plan to throw a massive fundraising party to try to save the business. But with the developer and his son on their back, the party permit uh, hassles and a Sasquatch on the loose. Will they be able to pull it off? I bet this is the one we're supposed to watch. I feel like I remember reading about a schizophrenic teen, but I don't know. I could be wrong. This one's also from 2013, and it's called The Movie Out Here. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know. Which one are we doing? Because the thing in parentheses says sex comedy. So we must have had something in mind. I don't know if I want to do a sex comedy alongside Harry and the Hendersons, though. (laughs) Uh, We can do the other one. I don't don't care. I I think we're doing the 2013 movie. Well, that's my opinion. They're they're both from 2013. So, oh shit! The schizophrenic kid in it. All right, that has to determine that the Yeti is a hoax. Okay. I don't know if these two are going to line up either. This one sounds a little dramatic, but it's on Tubi, well, so whatever. <laughs> uh, I guess it's genre comedy horror documentary. All right. All right. So we're doing Frostbite from 2013 and Harry and the Hendersons. Sure. Why not? Jesus. Jesus Christ. We're we so fucking that. unorganized. This show doesn't. And it's got a Yeti in it, so it still sort of fits with our Christmas theme. <laughs> Are Yetis Christmas now? Yeah. I don't I know. They're, they're in snow. They're, yeah, they're abominable snowmen, just like the one yeah. in Rudolph, right? Exactly. They better look the same or I'm going to be so pissed. Did I ever tell you about the kid I knew that insisted that uh, Empire Strikes Back was a Christmas movie for a long time? And like finally got him to explain it to me. And it's because he thought that the, the monster for Empire Strikes Back was the same monster for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> he thought the, he thought the yeah, Abominable Snowman was a wampa. Yes, that's what he thought. He was like, it was like, and then when he explained it to me, I like did not correct him at all. I just watched Empire with him. <laughs> like, that's the solution. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Well, I mean, you know, this was a, like a six-year-old, so something oh. like that. 
I mean, yeah, you don't want to correct him and ruin his life. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.